This is HPR episode 1934 entitled, Experiencing the Megapad T02 Part 2. It is hosted by a shadowy figure and is about 15 minutes long. The summary is, Part 2 of the Saga of the Megapad T02. This episode of HPR is brought to you by anhonesthost.com. Get 15% discount on all shared hosting with the offer code HPR15. That's HPR15. Better web hosting that's honest and fair at anhonesthost.com. You are listening to A Shadowy Figure on Hacker Public Radio. As I gazed upon the remains of my Mego Pad T02 scattered around my office like a chainsaw-wielding maniac came unglued all over it, I recall Nightwise telling me, Always keep your baseball bat, sledgehammer, and chainsaw locked outside in the shed when working with computers. Oh, damn it. This is a sort of wisdom that can only come from experience. But that Mego Pad T2 had it coming. But my desk didn't. I needed to replace both. So I hopped back on Telnet to let C-Pomp know I wanted my money back. He said something about having an intimate relationship with myself. I knew I needed to look other places to find another Megopad T2. So I called Clatu the canary who just got out of the joint early with time off for bad behavior. He sang a little song about Alpha 32's little home brewing operation and is still. He told me he could get the T2, but I'd have to meet him down at Mad Dog Morse's at midnight to get it. And that would give me plenty of time to roll by 5150s to see if I could find a new chainsaw-resistant desk.
Hey, it's Hacker Public Radio. I love that show. I can't wait to get on there and start scoring Barbies. You are listening to... Oh, not another idiot using background music. Everybody hates that. They really don't care who they let on there, do they? As I approached 5150's 24-hour pawn shop, I could see the place was calling with G-Men. Led by the Royal Dutch Patent Cops, they were loading out evidence in a pickup truck toolbox filled with earbuds. Every time I meet a guy wearing a gas mask proclaiming deranged lunacy, the same thing happens. Every donut shop in town suddenly becomes empty. So I nonchalantly drove on by. I needed to find a chainsaw-resistant desk, and I needed to find one now. Then it occurred to me. James Bond has Q. A shadowy figure's got the Lafayette Public Library makerspace. It's my little secret I turned to in a pinch. So I pointed my big Bach Mopar towards the library and did my best to obey all the traffic laws. A shadowy figure abides. I arrived at the makerspace just before closing time. Incident free. Johnny Law had his hands full with 5150. I strode into the makerspace like I owned a joint. Then I went looking for my inside contact, Sigflup. I found her making a Kindle stand wearing a Bugcast t-shirt, a blue mohawk, and an Eagles of Death Metal tattoo. I told her I needed a chainsaw-resistant desk, and I needed one now. She just sort of looked at me with concern. Then I told her I'd been working a lot with computers lately. She relaxed a bit and said, Oh, I see. Windows user, huh? I said, No. Megopad T2. She said she'd seen a trend developing. This was the third one this week. But the other two needed to be baseball bat resistant. I told her I'd keep mine in the shed. She told me I might want to keep my chainsaw out there, too. I said, not a chance. 
I wanted to strike fear into the heart of the next Pad T2 that thinks it's going to play any games with a shadowy figure. That look of concern returned to Sigflup's face. I slipped her a C-note and told her to have it delivered to my mountain fortress. Walking into Mad Dog Morris's pool hall was like walking into a Roaring Twenty speakeasy. With more smoke. I took a look around the joint and spied a hook of the Hun sitting in the back with a blonde on one arm and a redhead on the other. Both were admiring his mighty Sony PCMD 100. John the Killer Cope was shooting pool alone over in the corner sporting a $2 lapel mic from the Amazon wired to a Marantz PMD 660 under his sport coat. He signaled me to come on over. Once I got there, he handed me a cue and told me to rack him up. I asked him, what are the stakes? He replied, I heard you were in the market for Amigo Pad T02. I said, yeah. How'd you know? He told me Clatu the Canary was asking around about a shadowy figure earlier. And I fit the description. So what's on the line, I asked. He told me his Amigo Pad T02 against my Blue Yeti. I reached in my trench coat, pulled out my Yeti, and placed it on the pool table. Let's rock, killer culp. We each placed our hardware on the cocktail table, then I racked them up. Killer culp broke like a man possessed. sunk two low balls and lined up for an easy shot on the four. I ordered a drink from the waitress as the crowd began to gather around us. He dropped the four ball like a prom dress in the back seat of a 68 Chevelle on a hot Saturday night. He lined up to bank the sixth ball off the long bank into the corner pocket. He sunk it, but he scratched. Now I had to make some progress and make it now. I hammered the twelve ball in the side pocket and lined up to sink the fifteen on the other side. It dropped, but now I didn't have an angle to shoot anything. I had to do a jump shot to get past the seven ball. If I could do it, it would set me up to run the table. No dice. The nine ball wasn't dropping. Killer Culp took a long slash off his whiskey and eyed the table. Then smiled as he said. Seven ball near corner. Two ball in the side. 
three ball in the far corner. He fired the cue ball at just the right angle to sink the seven and ricocheted down the table to drop the two. But he didn't have enough momentum to make it to the three. I took out the 13, the 9, and 11 in quick succession. When I lined up to sink the 14, I looked up from the table and saw Clatu the Canary over at the bar talking to Mad Dog Morse. They were both pointing at me. The Canary was ratting me out. And Mad Dog Morris didn't get his name from grooming poodles down by the seaside. I once watched him in a fit of drunken rage pick a fight with the entire three judges pub. He kicked everybody's ass, one at a time. And his enforcer, known as the Frank Nitty of Glasgow, once peed in the same toilet as Lord Kelvin. These aren't the sort of people you want to mess with. Mad Dog stepped up to the pool table, looked me in the eye, and said, A little bird told me you skipped out on your bar tab last weekend. I told him it must have been a case of mistaken identity. He told me he was going to change my identity if I didn't cough up $62.50. I asked him if he'd take a chainsaw-resistant desk in its place. Then all went quiet. A look came over Mad Dog's face. It was the same look he had the night he beat up everybody in the Three Judges pub. I didn't look away from his cold, steely eyes as I lit a smoke. But I clutched my pool stick a little bit tighter. Keep an eye on your HPR feed for a shadowy figure to find out what happens in part three. Special thanks go to the HPR contributors who give me such fantastic material to work from. Without you, I wouldn't have nothing to build a story from. All music is courtesy of the amazing Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. All sound effects courtesy of freesound.org contributors. You can find out more in the show notes. This is a shadowy figure signing out from the darkness. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. 
We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.